Okay, so playoffs are here. NFL playoffs are here. I got my picks. I got my predictions. We're going to talk about dynasties. I'm going to break down these games. Um, we gotta, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get into some things. I'm not, I won't hold you guys long because uh, I know I realize these last few podcasts have been very long, but I don't want to hold you guys any longer. But we're gonna get into my picks. We got the NF, we got the AFC, NFC wild card playoff, and I want to talk. I want to talk about my predictions. Um, I feel good about. I, I feel good about my predictions and where I stand there for this weekend. Um, I've been giving some big thought about it. So I'm gonna get. I'm gonna give you guys my predictions on what I think is gonna happen in wild card weekend. Let's go. Okay, so like I said last episode, we're going to start off with a quote. Um, it's going to be the same quote. Uh, Philippians, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, so, I have my playoff picks. I have my NFC wildcard playoff picks. I'm not going to fill out all my playoff picks um, all at once. I'm going to do it one by one. Uh, I'm going to do it one by one every week. And as we, you know, eventually go into the divisional and then the conference championship, and then we have our Super Bowl. But for now, now it seems like I'm going with a couple underdogs. So let's start with the first game. The first game we have on the dock here, 435. Uh, on Saturday, the AFC teams, AFC wild card is on Saturday, and then the NFC wild card is on Sunday. So at 435, Buffalo plays Houston. Houston's a two and a half underdog. I mean, Houston's a two and a half point favorite at this moment. Um, let me tell you, let me tell you what I think about Houston. Let me tell you what I think about Buffalo, and then I give you my pick. Houston, I think, very explosive. Um, like you know. Has a phenomenal feel about them. You know they 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 can be very explosive explosive offensively, uh, especially when Deshaun Watson is clicking with DeAndre Hopkins and they, and those receivers are all on the same page. And De, and Deshaun Watson can escape the pocket and break tackles and make spectacular plays on the run outside the pocket. That's when they're at their best. That's when they they that's where they become explosive, and that's. That's where they get their nine to ten wins from. It, you know, if you wonder how how the Texans get nine, that that's how they get it. They they you know they get cheap touchdowns. They throw the ball over top over the top. They 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 get real explosive at times, and that's where teams can't handle. That's what teams often cannot handle. 
Now, with this Houston team, I think they're awfully dependent on Deshaun Watson a little too much. I think they're a little Deshaun Watson dependent. Uh, the offensive line has gotten better throughout the years. It's still not where it should be, but the offensive line has gotten a little better. But I have my questions about Houston defensively. Um, but yes, they get J.J. Watt back, but I worry about their secondary a little bit, and I don't know if he's 100% healthy or is he, like, I know he's suiting up, and I know he's uh he's, he's going to play, but I don't know if he's 100% healthy or if he's 80% healthy, and just I, one guy doesn't make, I mean, one guy can have an impact on defense, but J.J. Watt can't play the secondary either, you know what I'm saying? So it's one guy, line of scrimmage, I've seen plenty of games where Aaron Donald has been taken out of the game uh, just because double teams, teams throw double teams at him. So I've seen games where one great defensive player in football can just get neutralized and they're a non-factor. And it's not because they're not penetrating enough pressure or not playing with a lot of energy. It's just that team schematically, double team for it. They plan, they plan for those Big time defensive the defensive players. So I don't know how much JJ Watt brings. Second of all, um, I like Buff- Buffalo. Buffalo is a very good team, interesting team. Buffalo is uh, amongst the, the, as far as any defensive category, they are at the top or at or second. So I like I like Buffalo's defense. I really like Buffalo's defense. I enjoy it. I think Buffalo will be able to control the line of scrimmage. I think Buffalo will find a way to control the line of scrimmage. And with that being said, I think with them being able to control the line of scrimmage, I think Buffalo will be able to be will be able to neutralize and slow down the Houston the Houston offense. Um, and limit them to a, a, a certain not a certain number of points where Buffalo offense can score. So I have a total score of 23-17. Um, I'm riding with Buffalo. I'm going to ride with Buffalo. Um, I like Buffalo's defense. I think Buffalo defense will do enough to slow down Deshaun Watson um, and Houston. I think they'll do just enough to slow down Deshaun Watson and Houston. I think um, I just think Buffalo... As far you know, as far as defense, I think I don't think they're gonna be able. I don't think they're gonna let Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins do like the little flag football type things that they often do um, against some other teams. I think I don't think the I don't think the Texans are gonna be able to get those cheap touchdowns like they usually do. Excuse me, I'm sorry. I don't think the Houston. I don't think the Texans. Will get those cheap touchdowns like they like we we are accustomed to seeing their offense get. So um, I think Buffalo will, in some ways, form or fashion, will neutralize them. Um, also, Buffalo has no Will. I mean, Houston has no Will Fuller, um, who is the second go-to guy for Deshaun Watson. He's uh, Deshaun Watson's second favorite target. So no Will Fuller. Uh, so that means less guys to defend, and you know. To watch out for uh, as far as on Buffalo's end. And I think Buffalo will do enough offensively to put up the amount of points they need to put up. Because um, I think first, it, it won't be hard because I think Houston, I think Buffalo's defense will come through tomorrow. I think Buffalo's defense will come through tomorrow um, big for Houston. I think it's going to be big for Buffalo. 
And I think Josh Allen, he's been playing hot. He's been playing better than what some people expected. Uh, He was real raw last year and still is raw in some areas. But I think Buffalo, with Josh Allen, he's shown some tremendous stride this year and surprisingly good on the road. So I have Buffalo winning final score 23-17. The next game is on Saturday. That is between New England and... And Tennessee, Tennessee travels to Foxborough. Uh, Tennessee is a five-and-a-half-point underdog. I'm going to take New England to win this game. Uh, I, know, I, I know Tennessee is very hot right now. But first, let's be real. When last time Tennessee has won a big game? When, when, has, when have the last time the Titans won a big-time game? I don't trust them. In, I don't... Ooh. I don't trust them in big time games. I don't trust them in big moments. So I don't. I, I, I'm. I'm. I'm shaky of Houston. I mean of 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 Tennessee. I don't think Tennessee would get the job done. Um, I think New England, and I think just with New England X's and O's schematically, with uh, Belichick and the defense and the special teams, I think they will be able to muster up uh, just enough stops. I think their special teams will play well. Um, because that, that's just what, that's just how bad New England is offensively, where they need their defense to play well, they need their, their special teams to do something magnificent, and I think the special teams will come through, you know, when, when it's time to come through, I think the special teams will do that, but, uh, I'm not sure if Tennessee, it's gonna be close, but I don't know if they will have enough big plays to get over the top. I think New England wins a classic New England type game. The even despite their their offensive struggles, I think I I I, I really think that New England will find a way to get out of this game, but past this wild card game, I think they're done. But I think they will find a way to squeak past Tennessee. I'm going to go with the final score, 27-24. I think it's a classic New England game in Foxborough. I just don't think Tennessee will be able to make enough big plays offensively to get them over the hump. Now, this is going to be a very intriguing game. This is going to be a very intriguing game with all the storylines covering it, uh, covering it and surrounding it. Uh, and I'm going to get, I'm going to talk about New England in that whole what is at stake in the dynasty? I'm going to talk about that after I'm done with my picks. Um, but I have New England winning close. I have New England winning very close and a tight one against Tennessee, 27-24. Wouldn't surprise me if the Titans would win this game, though. On to Sunday, uh, 1 o'clock, Minnesota at New Orleans. New Orleans is a 7.5-point favorite. I agree. New Orleans is at home. New Orleans is... Um, they, they 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 want they want revenge from Miracle in the um mini, for the Minneapolis Miracle. They want they want revenge. New Orleans is once again, like I said, at home. Uh, Drew Brees in the offense since week eleven has been averaging thirty four points. Um, Minnesota secondary has been shaky this year. It's been it's been real questionable. Um, we all know Michael Thomas is a guaranteed nine to ten catches per game. I think New Orleans will continue on their terrific run. 
uh, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if New Orleans could make a Super Bowl run. But I think with the wild card, I think New Orleans will be able to win this game. Um, it's Kirk Cousins. You know, I, I like Kirk Cousins. He seems like a good guy. But this seems this seems like a game where you look at Kirk and you're like, ah, it's Kirk Cousins, and this is why Vegas has it have it have that spread so high. If you're wondering why this spread is so high, it's because the the or the you know points. It's like, uh, because Vegas looking at Kirk, they're like, oh, Kirk Cousins, big time game, prime time game against a big time team. Uh, we don't trust it, and I I quite frankly can't disagree. I don't trust it either. I don't trust Kirk Cousins in big spots, um, and I don't think I, I just don't see New Orleans losing to Minnesota at home. So I have New Orleans, I have New Orleans winning 30, 30 to twenty one, New Orleans. Uh, and then last game of the weekend, four forty, Seattle at Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a one and a half point underdog. Now I I agree with I agree with Vegas. I think this is a Good spread. I think this is probably the perfect spread because both teams are banged up. Both teams are nicked up. Both teams barely got across uh, the regular season. They were just trying to make it out, survive without any more injuries, and to you know to add to the wound, salt you know add salt to the wound. But I think Seattle is going to get out of here and escape with a victory. Um, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be close. It's gonna be rough. It's gonna be rugged. Um, I don't think I don't I don't know how the weather I don't know how the weather is gonna be up there, up in Philadelphia. But uh, you know I think it's gonna be tough. Seattle um was one of the better road teams, but people have their doubt. Many people have their doubts about Seattle because they have won on uh, they've won a lot of games. You know with field goals and by by. One score game. They won a lot of one score games, and people have their questions about Seattle. And quite frankly, I I do, and those are very valid questions to have. Um, I think Seattle will do just enough to get by Philadelphia. I think they'll do just enough. Um, but Carson Wentz is really hot right now, and Philadelphia, they feel the Eagles do have a massive advantage. Up front, um, Philly Philly's D line versus Seattle's O line. That that that's a that's a that, that's an advantage that Philly will have to take a. That's a that's a thing. That's an area of the game that Philly will have to take advantage of. If Philly if Philly wants to win, I think they will have to dominate the line of scrimmage, and I think they will be able to dominate the line of scrimmage. And I think with them being able to do that, I think that gives them a better shot. At slowing down Russell Wilson, of course, and winning ultimately winning the game. Ultimately, I think that would give them a better shot at winning the game. Um, you know, we all know Philly have their injuries. Uh, I think I just think Philly. The reason why I'm not picking them, they have a lot of injuries on the outside. Uh, you know, as far as what I mean by outside, I mean like receivers. They don't have a down the field threat. They don't have a deep threat. They don't have a speedster. Hell, they don't, I don't even know if they have a possessional guy. It's just been Carson Wentz carrying that offense. Um, it, it, it's and it's been spectacular to watch. I just don't. I think I, I trust Russell Wilson on the road a lot more. 
Um, then, then, then Carson Wentz, and I think, you know, people saying Car- it's Carson Wentz first playoff game. I think Carson Wentz would do just fine. He'd be just fine. I think Russell Wilson would just be a little better. Um, he, I think he'd make more plays, uh, due to, I mean, Seattle's banged up as well, but I think, I think Russell would be able to find, uh, and, be, and to be able to make more plays down the stretch, which would be meaningful and I think would ultimately lead to a close Seattle victory. I'm going to go with the final score being 27-21. 27-21 Seattle. I think it's a nail-biter, though. I really think it's a nail-biter. It's going to be really close. Really close call. But that is who I'm going with my wild. Those are my wild card predictions. Um, I'm going to get into the Patriots dynasty on the next segment. See you guys there. Okay, so the the Patriots, like I said in my previous picks, I picked them to win this um tomorrow, um this upcoming Saturday, but they can lose to they can lose to Tennessee. It's very possible that this can be the last game um that we might be seeing Tom Brady in the Patriots uniform, and it's very possible that they that Tennessee can beat the Patriots. It can stun the Patriots. Um, now with this whole dynasty thing. And New England and Tom Brady. I just want, I just want, like, I just want us to think back. First, great run. This is a great 20-year run. Usually in football, you usually don't get runs like this. You don't have runs like this in any sport. Um, it, It's just so hard to sustain and you have to have so much go your way. And the opponents that you play on a yearly, like you have to have so much go your way in your favor for this thing to work out for so long. Like, I just want you to see the components of the Patriots dynasty. Um, in some championship games, they've got some some breaks where the referee have may, may have screwed up a call. Like the tuck rule in the AFC championship game against the Raiders, you know, it's it's been it's been a litany of things that ha- that the Patriots have just gone by, you know. The division that they've played in on a yearly basis, that they've pl- they you know, they got to play dysfunctional Miami, dysfunctional Jets, dysfunctional Bills for most part. They have they have they have played in a sorry division, a division that's full of dysfunction and franchises 
that haven't gotten it right at coach, quarterback, or the front office since Belichick and Brady has entered Foxborough, New England. These the, those three those three franchises haven't gotten it together. So they've they've you know they've gotten a break by that with their division, and then injuries. Brady he has one significant injury in twenty years, but after that there's there there's no there's no significant injury to Brady. Belichick has remained the coach, of course. So that's what I mean. Like runs like this just don't happen every day. Like the Warriors run, it came out of nowhere. You know, one one year they were coached by Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson was the coach of that team for years. He got them the fifty wins and playoff wins, series wins, and he was just never good enough. And that team, those teams were never good enough just to get past the second round. But you look up, Steve Kerr gets the job. You know, the Warriors take it their offensive they take their offensive threats and numbers go up, and they automatically just become contenders. And now they find themselves in the finals, and they win a title. Then they add the rank, and then it goes on and on. So, you know, you have to have a lot of luck with these dynasties. A lot of luck has to occur. And that's, what, that's, what's, been on the, that's what's been on the Patriots' side for so long. Luck. They've had luck. And these, I just want you to go back and think about these last three years. Okay, last year, last year, the Patriots won the Super Bowl. But if D Ford is if D Ford isn't out of bounds, I just want you to sh- I just want to show you how quick the narrative can change and be flipped on Brady and the Patriots. If D Ford last year in last year's AFC Championship game. If he's on sides, and if he's not off sides, Brady would have thrown his third pick in that AFC Championship game. Kansas City would have won that game. New England wouldn't have gotten to the Super Bowl. New England wouldn't have won that Super Bowl last year if D. Ford was on sides. You can go to, okay, the the, the year before last. Where they lose to Philadelphia. Brady. Game losing fumble. Against the Eagles. That eventually led to the Eagles. Winning the Super Bowl. Or we can even go back to. Brady. Overcoming the 28-3. Falcons comeback. If the Falcons just run the ball. And control the game. In the second half. The Falcons win that Super Bowl. That's another Super Bowl that Brady loses. And, oh, yeah, let's not forget, if Seattle runs the football, New England doesn't win that Super Bowl. New England does not win that Super Bowl. New England loses that Super Bowl. So we possibly have two Super Bowl losses. With Atlanta and Seattle. And then we have a Super Bowl that you don't even appear in. Because D4 stays onside. And Brady throws his third interception. And the Kansas City Chiefs advance to the Super Bowl. And now 
what has been the narrative this year about the Patriots and mainly Brady? Brady has looked bad this year. Brady hasn't looked good this year. You can see the dynasty crumbling all apart. You can see it. Yeah, magnificent comeback against Atlanta. But if Atlanta just plays smarter and they don't if and they don't allow New England to come back and make such a forceful comeback and such a due diligence in the fourth quarter, New England doesn't win that game. They don't win that Super Bowl. They don't come back. If Russell Wilson and Pete Curl just decide to hand the ball off to Marshawn Lynch at the one, New England doesn't win that Super Bowl. And if D. Ford was inbounds or sorry, if he was on sides, New England doesn't get to that Super Bowl and win that Super Bowl. So that is like just doesn't say Let's just say, hey, Atlanta, we just go back in time. We say Atlanta, yeah, Atlanta holds on to the 28-3 lead. New England, yeah, they try to make a comeback, but Atlanta holds on with the win because they play smart. They run the ball. Okay. And let's just say Seattle runs the ball instead. They give it to Marshawn Lynch, and Seattle wins the Super Bowl. They win that Super Bowl. So that's two Super Bowl losses. Two more. And then let's, you know, the Philly law stays. Philly beats the Patriots off of Brady's fumble. And then D Ford stays on side and Brady throws his third interception of the NFC Championship game. Dating back to last year. What a change of events. And we're looking at Brady in a different light. We'll be looking at him in a different light. No Super Bowl last year. Lose the Super Bowl in Philly. To Philly. Excuse me. You lose the Super Bowl to Seattle. And you lose the Super Bowl to Atlanta. What does the, narr- what does the narrative becomes then? What, what 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 does it become then? Luck. New England has seen and has been granted a lot of luck these last few years. They've been granted a lot of luck. And honestly, not mad at it, but it's just what it is. I'm calling a spade a spade. It's just what it is. It's facts. But that's ultimately what you need in a dynasty. You need luck. You need luck to go your way. Any dynasty has had luck to go that way. Any dynasty. Go back to the Bulls dynasties. If Carmelone, if Carmelone is able to make free throws, Chicago don't have they okay, Chicago don't have at least one of those rings. Jordan and the in the Bulls they lose at least one of those finals series. They lose at le- they lose at least one of those finals championships. 
Like, they lose one of those series. The first one or the second one. If Carmelo's able to make free throws down the stretch, Utah wins one of those championships. Chicago don't win both of those titles. Back to back. The Warriors, some tend to think if Kyrie doesn't go down and the the Cavs had Kevin Love the first time around, the Warriors don't win that title. The Warriors don't win that title. Or we can can even talk about them coming back from 3-1 against the Thunder. That spoils their chances. That spoils their chances. And we're seeing we're seeing in college football. Alabama is currently being dethroned by Clemson. Clemson is the new Alabama with all the talent, first rounders. Great coach, good recruiters. All of a sudden, Clemson has become the new Alabama. I'm not saying Alabama's not going to be good next year. It's going to be still good. They have Saban. They, they, they continue to gather up four- and five-star recruits. But these last few years, Alabama hasn't been as good as Clemson. And now this year... Alabama wasn't even as good as LSU. They weren't even as good as LSU these last year, this this year. So this New England thing, dynasties, you gotta have some type of luck. You gotta have some type of luck going your way. You have to. Or this dynasty thing, it doesn't carry the same narrative. The Patriots don't have the same narrative. If some things don't go their way. If if Marshawn Lynch gets the ball at the one, they don't win. If D Ford stays on side, they don't advance to the Super Bowl and then eventually win it, they don't do none of those things if D Ford stays on side. It's luck. Some of this stuff is luck. And it's fine because every just about every dynasty have experience. Ooh, that was a close one. We got lucky. Every dynasty has experienced that. Every dynasty has experienced luck. That's what it comes. That, that that luck comes with being a dynasty. You have to be able to. I mean, just that the just the fact that the Warriors where we're going a five year run where nobody got healthy. I mean, nobody got hurt until the last year says a lot. Luck was on their side. Luck was on their side. Instead of none of the Warrior stars being hurt. Kyrie got hurt. Kyrie broke his kneecap. But this New England thing, I think they'll win on Saturday. I think they'll win tomorrow. But 
As far as advancing, no. Can't see it. And if they do lose tomorrow, it was a great run in New England. A great run. But sometimes, it's not your year. And dynasties all come to an end. And it's sad to say, but they usually come to an end like this. Just like this. Even with certain players leaving, certain coaches leaving, well, players getting older. This is usually how dynasties conclude. Just like this. Just the way how this is playing out. It's, it usually plays out just this, like this. But just a total dominance of football that we have seen from the Patriots these last two decades. Total dominance. And you can't argue it. But this is usually how most, if all, this is how all dynasties fall. Health, ego, retirement. Older players retiring. Just how it is. Um, on the next segment, uh, this is my last segment. Uh, I'm going to give you guys some NBA rumors, what I think about them. Because um, you, if you don't know, uh, I... I I post, I post, I have a podcast page on Instagram that you can follow, um, Isaiah Kid Podcast, just how, just how the podcast title is spelled, that you can find me on Instagram, and I post, I post all the latest news going on mainly in the NBA and, and in the NFL, I give you all the daily rumors, um, what I'm hearing throughout the league, uh, throughout sports, period. So you can follow that, but I'm going to give you some updates on some possible trades that might be coming up. So stick around for that. Remember though, dynasties. Okay, so like I mentioned um, on the previous segment, you know, about my podcast page on Instagram where you can follow all the latest, all my latest posts um, and rumors around certain leagues, NBA, NFL, etc. that I give basically on a daily basis. Uh, I post uh, news on a daily basis and I just want to talk about some of the rumors going around the league um, that's been going around since, you know, January, February, the trade deadline is approaching. Teams, championship contenders are going to try to make those final roster adjustments. Uh, teams that are look that have players 
that have big that are making a lot of money or on their last year on their last year they deal teams like that are going to be trying to move players uh in exchange for some future ass assets or some younger pieces to you know build around but this is a this is a big this is a real big time in the NBA um you know like I said I mentioned this uh think early this week I said once the NFL season over we're going to fully transition into NBA because I know I have some NBA gurus out there that are excited and they can't wait for me to talk all NBA but I can't do that but what I can do right now is I can provide you guys with some rumors so um we all know the Lakers number one team in the West as of right now they're 28 and 7 uh but I feel like what if you haven't heard me talk about the Lakers uh, with the, despite them being number one in the West and looking awfully good, I do still I still do think that the Lakers are missing another piece. Like they're missing a one more guy off the bench that that can either like hit a three or create their own shot. I think the Lakers are missing one more guy just like that. I think they're missing one more guy just like that. And I feel like the like I said, the Clippers they're more complete. And I think once the Lakers, if the Lakers can find that one guy that they're missing that I'm that I'm describing, I think they'd be just fine. I think they'd be just fine in the playoffs. But multiple teams, uh, several teams have been eyeing Kyle Kuzma, and teams have been due teams are due diligent uh, on Kuzma, but the Lakers are buying him as a core piece of the future. Um, now Kuzma, he's dealt with some injuries this year. He's recovering. I feel like he's still recovering from some injuries, uh, you know, some, from some, from some surgery and injuries that he's had during the off season. I I feel like he's still recovering and still trying to get back in the groove. But, um, you know, the Lakers, it's not surprising that they're off, that, that they're listing him and vying him as a young core, a young piece of the future because that's what they did in the Anthony Davis trade. They obviously didn't move Kyle Kuzma. They moved the other three, four young assets that they had for Anthony Davis along with some picks. So obviously with that move, with before the before this report even came out, with the Anthony Davis move, obviously they they they, they see Kyle Kuzma as a, a big young core piece and they see him as a guy that can turn into something big. Um, Kuzma, for me, he's a good player. He's a he's a good offensive threat. Um, you know, when he's on, Kuzma is on. Like he's one. He's a really, really good offensive talent. When the shot is falling, sometimes his shot can be a little inconsistent. But when it's dropping, he's really good. When his shot is falling, he's really good. And, you know, with with many young players, when their shot is falling, they tend to be much more engaged defensively. And I think Kuzma definitely has the potential and, like, length and measurables to be a good defender or a solid defender at that. I think he does have those those measurables and tools to be a solid defender in the league. 
Um, so that's how I feel about the Lakers in that move or them vying with him as a young core piece of the future. Not not mad at it. Not mad at it. Uh, but they do need, like I said, I feel like the Lakers do need another guy on the perimeter that can hit a three or that can create their own shot. I feel like they need a guy just like that. Um, but that's how I feel about the Lakers valuing Kuzma. Um, now, we all know that Andre Iguodala has been has been the center of trade talks essentially since he's gotten to Memphis because we all knew, we, we kind of figured that Memphis wasn't going to be playing for much this year, not very good, young roster, and with a guy like Andre Iguodala with so much championship pedigree and still have some left in the tank, um, you know, teams, championship contenders, teams that are, that see themselves going deep in the playoffs, yes, teams are going to go after him. They, they, they were thriving to go after him. And, you know, it's once between the Lakers and Clippers. Now the Mavericks have opened up as as a team to really look out for um, to, as far as landing Iggy. Uh, a Warriors reunion has not been put out. Uh, you know, out of the question, but I, I very seriously doubt that he will return back to the Warriors. Um, I think it's either one of the LA teams or the Mavericks. I, I, I seriously think he's going to end up with one of the LA teams or the Mavericks. And right now, people, uh, sources, close sources, close and good sources say that the Mavericks are favorites to land and trade for Andre Godala. Uh, I'm not sure what the I'm not sure what Dallas with the Mavericks would give up, um, because because Memphis have made it completely clear that they want a first rounder for Andre Godala and Memphis they're standing they're, they're they're standing very firm on that. When I first heard that report and news, I was like, uh, uh, once the trade line once the trade deadline gets closer. I think they'll start to lower the bid for Andre Godala. You know, I, I think they'll start to lower the bid. But, hey, they might be able to get a first-round pick out of the Clippers. Ooh, well, I don't know if the Clippers have any more. But out of the Mavericks, you know, to to uh, for the Mavericks to acquire Andre Godala. Now, as far, now, let's just say, yeah, the Mavericks, they trade a first-round pick and a bench player for Andre Godala. Let's just say, hey. They do get Andre Godala. Um, that would that would greatly help in the postseason uh, when you're defending guys like LeBron and Dame and CJ and Kawhi and Paul George. That would certainly help, and that would boost Dallas's chances um, and how you know how far they can go because that that adds another layer to Dallas. Uh, he's a good. He's a guy that could defend the one through four. He can hit the three occasionally, um, and he just has the championship mindset and pedigree that the Dallas Mavericks are missing. Um, so I, I would I wouldn't mind seeing him in a Mavericks uniform. He bring he, you know he'll bring that championship DNA with, to a, a very young team. Um, 
And he'll, he'll be able to help out, actually, on the floor with defending LeBron and your Kawhis and your PGs and getting the, and having a breakout game offensively here and there. He can help out greatly. Um, I found the C.J. McCollum to the 76ers. 76ers are interested in trading for C.J. McCollum. That was brought to me by Woj. Um, if you know if Woj, if Woj reported it and said it, it's true. Um, I would like to see the 76ers. Now, I have this joke about the 76ers. The cow, you know how we talk about how the, how talented the Cowboys are? Well, the NBA version of the Cowboys are the 76ers. The 76ers have a bunch of talent. They have a load of talent, but the 76ers, it's just something about them where they underachieve. They just keep underachieving. We look at their talent on paper every year. We're like, oh, yeah, the Sixers are going to be fine this year. But they just underachieve every year. They get knocked out the second round. They just they could just never get to the conference finals finals. But if they were to if they were from some way, some way, some way, somehow, to land CJ McCollum, and I don't know exactly who they would trade and how much they would have to give up, but if they were to land CJ McCollum, I would like their chances to get out the East again. Um, you know, I picked them at first to get out the East, but uh, don't not so sure about it because the East is a toss up. It can be Milwaukee, it can be Philly, hell, it can be Miami, it can be Boston. But I would like that move for CJ. Um, and that Portland team in the West, in the deep Western Conference, that Portland, that 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 front office may got to do what Oklahoma City did, and look at the roster that they have. And just look at the top tier teams in the West and be like, can we really compete with these teams? Can we really compete with these teams? I don't know. And Portland, you know, if they can't get it together, you know, I think they're in that seventh or eighth spot right now. But if they can't get it get if they can't get it together throughout late down the stretch of the season, the front office may want to look at the roster and be like, how much more can we squeeze out of this lemon? How much more? How much more? I just don't know. But I would like that move for CJ. Um, I, but I'm curious to see what or to hear what would Philadelphia, what would the 76ers be willing to give up in order to acquire CJ McCollum? That's my stance. Um, I might do this for you guys at the at the near end of every podcast. Give you guys some updated NBA rumors or NFL rumors about players moving and leaving and going to new destinations. But without further ado, I don't want to hold you guys any much longer. Like I said, I've realized that these last few podcasts have been lengthy, but that's fine. I'm cool with it. I'm 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 sure that you guys are cool with it. But remember, two choices, one decision. Your boy is out. I'm gone. Adios. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the playoff games.